Okay, good morning. Hello, and welcome to the Youth Sports Safety Update produced by the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program or JSMP in Jacksonville, Florida. JSMP is a nonprofit advocacy and prevention program that is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and prevention. Joining us today is an accomplished certified athletic trainer who has a unique work setting, not only with rugby athletes, but served as the athletic trainer for USA Wheelchair Rugby League. Her wheelchair team recently returned from international competition in England, and she also serves as the athletic trainer for the Jacksonville Axemen rugby team here in Jacksonville, Florida. So please welcome Mary Lockwood Slover. Hi, Jim. All right. Great to have you here again. So tell us a little bit about how your career has evolved and and your passion for rugby has grown, which is a little different. Well, it all started back in 2006 when you came to me as my colleague and said that um, there was a new rugby team in Jacksonville and they were looking for somebody to help. And I was a brand new athletic trainer. Um, I had just finished my first year of working with the high school and um, I kind of wanted to do something over the summer. So I just volunteered my time and here I am almost 20 years later. And you end up married to the marketing director, right? And I, yeah, I married the co-owner of the team, and now it's 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 family for me at this point. So, uh, how has this helped you in your roles on the sidelines? And uh, and uh, tell us about rugby and the medical staff. You know, soccer, you got to wait till you're invited to come on the field. It seems like, and with rugby, there's different. So, what what's different about it with other sports? Rugby is. I've worked a lot of sports, obviously, because I've been an athletic trainer for a while in a lot of different settings, but rugby is the only sport where I feel like how good I am working and my performance on the sideline affects um, the outcome of the game. So if, if I'm not having a good day and I'm not as quick as um, I might be on another day, it can be a win or loss for the team. And that's because um, in the sport of rugby, athletic trainers can go on and off the field whenever you have an injury. Um, we're very active on the sideline. You have to be ready to go at any minute because the game doesn't stop. We don't have timeouts every 30 seconds. So you have to be ready to fix something quick. Okay. So share your experience with a sport or you've been sharing your experience with a sport with other athletic trainers. So how did you get started? I, I know you got started through kind of my introducing you to it and in, in, uh, your internship and that, but how, what's your impact been on other athletic trainers and their uh, getting involved in it as well? So I started um, an internship program um, just because I wanted to share the sport with other athletic trainers, and it became a good place for students, um, most from UNF, but there's been some from a few other schools as well um, that either want to go into the athletic training program or are currently in it. They come and they work with us during the summer, and it has been really great. I've probably had close to 20 interns now that have come through the program, some either do a great job or they don't last with the sport. You have to be um, a certain personality to fit in with this type of um, sport. Um, but I've had Kayla Jones has um, continued working rugby with me as well as Andy Gibbs. Um, she's currently working with the women's rugby team here in Jacksonville. And Haley Frazier has um, just been named as the athletic trainer to the USA rugby league team. And she worked with them um, a couple weeks ago when they played Canada. So I'm very proud of everyone who's come up through the program, okay. share the support with them. Okay. Well, you mentioned a couple of things there. One, the rugby athletes are different, mm-hmm. but it takes a different kind of athletic trainer. Um, so speak about 
what are some of the traits you think that a rugby athletic trainer would need? And then talk a little bit about the personalities of rugby players and what they're like. So I found that when I started working hockey, for example, I was working with a totally different type of athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know if, in a variety of ways, MMA athletes are different. Mm-hmm. You know, football players, track athletes are different and that. So tell us a little bit about those two aspects, if you would. Yeah, it's it's basically, you know, I like to talk about every sport is kind of like its own breed. And just have to mention baseball because they're my one of my favorite breeds. I think baseball players are the funniest people on the planet because they have so much time in the dugout to be silly. Uh, rugby is different. Um, it's a very family-based culture. It's very, I guess I could say like ride or die for each other. Um, military people are very um, attracted to it because of that family aspect. Um, and they're just rugby teams, rugby players do things differently than traditional sports. Um, you've got to be as an athletic trainer willing to adapt to them and not just be like, well, that's not the way I do it. Um, Cause it's a different type of sport. Like um, what I was going to mention is they, you know, we don't wear, they don't wear braces. So you have to be ready to tape everything. And I know a lot of athletic trainers aren't used to that. You know, I tape shoulders, I tape knees, I tape ears, you know, you tape padding on everywhere because braces just aren't a thing. You can't wear braces because that can be hurt other players. If there's any, anything that is sharper. Okay. So what about uh, just understanding the rules of, of rugby? What's different about that? Well, with the rules of rugby, part of it, like the athletic trainer can go out on the field at any point. So there's not a timeout. You know, you have to be quick and ready to run out there. And then the other thing is specifically in rugby union, um, which is what I work with the high school team and the UNF team is there's no um, substitutions. So you have to be out on the field and you have to determine within 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whether that athlete can stay on the field or not, because if the athlete comes off, then they're off for the rest of the game, whether they're injured or not, which makes it really, really difficult with um, concussions. Um, We do get blood subs. So you have 15 minutes to um, to clean up some blood and then they can go back in without um, having to stay out of the game. But concussions, it's pretty much if you have a symptom concussion, you're out, um, whether you actually have one or not. Okay. So concussions, it's a go or no go decision. Blood, you have a little time to work for that. And uh, you see a lot of that. So how about addressing soft tissue injuries, which I'm sure are very prominent. uh, And there's a lot of wear and tear over the course of a season. So what do you do uh, to one, keep them in the game and to promote their healing? So massage therapy is probably the biggest thing I do um, with my rugby athletes, particularly the adults athletes. I don't do, you know, I don't do a lot of massage with the high school kids, but um, definitely for the adult athletes, um, massage therapy is what keeps them going through the season. Um, I think that it not only, um, you know, helps with their injuries and get rid of any adhesions and um, promotes healing in the body, but it also allows me to spend time with the athlete and build a rapport, Um, makes them feel good if somebody pays attention to them and, you know, uses their hands to help them feel better. Um, it's just kind of like in a world where healthcare is very um, rushed and impersonal, taking time with your athletes, I think is important. 
Okay, so I think you mentioned there just hands-on therapy is one of the essentials, uh, utilizing your hands for treatments and that, not necessarily a lot of different modalities. You know, there are a lot, but uh, Mm -hmm. using your hands and the techniques that you've learned, as well as the uh, multiple taping and strapping um, uh, techniques that you've learned over time and that. So head injuries would seem to be very common, although we find that when they teach proper rugby tackling, uh, some of those may or may not be reduced. So what do you see uh, in as far as the attitudes and culture changes regarding concussions in rugby? Well, I think that um, particularly in all sports across the board, there's less and less people that want to play contact sports. Um, I think that parents are afraid of concussions. I think that athletes are afraid of concussions and I think that's okay to have a healthy fear of concussions. However, um, I think if you can play a contact sport safely and have an athletic trainer on the sideline, that is um, your healthcare advocate during the game, then outweighed by the benefits of playing contact sports. As far as my specific rugby athletes over the past 15 years, I've noticed that they really are on board as far as proper concussion treatments. I don't really have many issues with my athletes anymore. Every once in a while, I'll get somebody that say, oh, yeah, I wasn't really being truthful about my symptoms. But at this point, I can pretty much tell if they're lying to me. Um, <laughs> That's good. And better educated, but you've built a lot of trust over time. And that mm-hmm. and the, the greater the trust, the greater the uh a relationship uh, with that person. Tell me a little bit about what is the difference or what's the benefit of, of proper tackling uh, in rugby? Well, I mean, proper tackling, you're not tackling using your head. Um, you tackle in rugby using your shoulder. So that does, you, we do get a lot of dislocated shoulders and sublux shoulders and things like that, but um, AC joint separations, but the head injuries are, are probably about the same as in football, um, I actually see just as many in soccer and lacrosse as I do in rugby um, because you're not using your head. You're not as a weapon. Okay. So you recently turned from an international competition in wheelchair rug, in a wheelchair rugby league. So tell me a little bit about um, what is different about, uh, and apparently there's some different kinds of wheelchair rugby, and what challenges uh, do you face with these athletes? Okay, so the two different kinds of rugby, what most people probably think of because it's been around longer is um, wheelchair rugby, which is referred to as murder ball. And that is kind of like its own sport. It's not really similar to um, the able-bodied running rugby, um, but wheelchair rugby league, which is where I just was at the World Cup, um, that is very similar to the running game of rugby league. Um, so. The only difference is obviously they're in a wheelchair and they don't tackle. They use tags. Um, When they go to tackle, their wheelchairs kind of slam together and then they pull a tag and that's considered a tackle. And then they reset up the play. But everything else is just the same as the the running able body game. And it's just as exciting. Um, So that was something with the wheelchair that I was really excited. Um, You have all the same excitement as you do why I love rugby league in the first place. Um, how many how many are on the court? There's five. So we could name 10 to a team and then there's five on the court at a time. And are you seeing a lot of hand injuries because of these collisions and things like that? Hand is, yes, hand is probably, hand and arm and shoulder were the biggest things that, and 
it was like a joke when we were there too, that I had all this like tape to tape ankles and like, I wasn't going to be taping any ankles with the wheelchair team. They didn't need it. Um, I did a lot of blister stuff with the hands. I even did the hand massage and which I'd never thought of to do with an athlete before. Um, you know, you think of that more as a feel good thing, but these athletes are using their feet, not only to tackle, control the ball, pass the ball, but they're using it to propel themselves, their hands instead of their feet. So they're used for everything. And if you have something go wrong, you can't just keep going because your hands are propelling everything, every aspect of the game. So you beat Scotland in your very first ever game played in wheelchair rugby league. You scored on a try in the first 28 seconds of the game. So it was pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty encouraging for all the guys there, I'm sure. And yeah. you find you, you have men and women are playing this together? Yeah, actually, and wheelchair rugby league is the most inclusive sport that I have ever heard of. Um, not only do you have men and women on the team, but you also have um, disabled players and able-bodied players. You're allowed to have two able-bodied players on the team. So when you might think, well, why would you want able-bodied players on the team if it's a wheelchair sport? Well, it's all about inclusivity. Um, there's been several stories I've heard um, where people have gotten involved in the sport so they could play with a family member. Um, you know, my family members is, you know, is disabled, but I'm not disabled, but you get to play the game together. So I like that about the sport. And yeah, we started up the team, um, Carolina Rugby League. Um, it's kind of, they're based out of the Carolinas. They started up the team and We'd been scrimmaging each other for the last two years, never played a game against anyone because there's no one to play over here in the States and scored our first try in 28 seconds. And it was incredible. Probably drink a lot of whiskey over there, but no, we won't go into <laughs> that right now. But anyway, I had a great time in Scotland a couple of years ago. The biggest, what's the biggest challenge of working with these, with these uh, wheelchair athletes? You talked a little bit about how much they use their hands and their arms and the shoulders to play. They've got to propel themselves and, and that. So what are, what are some of the things you noticed even in your uh, experience over in England, what, what you were dealing with and what they were dealing with? Well, yeah, it was, it was all upper body basically, of course, that I was dealing with um, some back issues Um then there were the issues um, that I'm not used to dealing with as far as, you know, they're disabled athletes in the first place. And what what is the disability that put them in the wheelchair? Um, and even just the um, logistics of getting a team with wheelchairs around is something that really um, opened my eyes to people that use wheelchairs everyday life. The team had um, every most of the players were in wheelchairs, not all of them. And we would have to have they would have their day chairs and they would have their sport chairs. And we would have to travel around through the airport with two wheelchairs and all their luggage. And it was a logistics nightmare. I'm not used to that. But this is their this is what they live through every day. And the world the World Cup was really great. They gave us a bus and our own driver and we stacked the wheelchairs in there every time we went anywhere. But um you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, accessibility um, for disabled people is um, something that needs to be uh, more worldwide, I think. Exactly. I, I, I worried about or I noticed that when I was over in Europe, uh, whether it's cobblestone streets or 
the loo, how small they were. Um, there weren't ADA facilities as we have here in the U.S. And uh, so I'm sure uh, I, I thought a lot about that must be a real big challenge. Um, and again, working through their um, their disability that is there already. You mentioned a player that was uh, legally blind. Mm-hmm. And how do you t- how do you take a concussion test when one you can't stand up for balance and you can't uh, can't see the computer screen? So what do you right. what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I had to do um, for the World Cup. I had to do the standardized tests. I had to do a scat test um, on all the players, and I had to do um, the computerized. It was a it's called Cognigram, which is different than what I'm used to over here, but it was similar kind of like cognitive um, test on the computer. And he's legally blind and he plays great rugby league. I mean, he's on the USA team, but he does have some vision issues. So we had to take that in consideration with his test. And, um, you know, how are you going to do the balance portion of a scat uh, concussion testing with your athletes in a wheelchair? So we had to modify all of that. Um, There were only maybe two or three athletes that I was able to do any of the balance testing on. And then I had other, you know, it's a, Um, There are a lot of military veterans on the team. Um, We had to, you know, be considerate of some PTSD and um, traumatic brain injuries and uh, the side effects that come along with those. Um, We have an athlete that is super sensitive to flash photography. So um, there were points, you know, it was a big event and we were doing headshots and, you know, we kind of had to have, you know, push her through a little bit quicker so we could get her out and be sensitive to those kind of things. and in loud noises and anything that can be triggering of PTSD, um, we had to be really sensitive to with these athletes. That's that's pretty amazing. So it's definitely a situation where you've got to know your athletes very well uh, individually and what their what their needs are, what their disabilities are, what their strengths, weaknesses are with that. <clears throat> so what would you recommend to an AT who's feeling a little bit, hey, I need an, uh, I need a I need a new lease on life? What would you recommend to them? I would recommend um, volunteering. Um, you can volunteer with Adaptive Sports. Volunteer for something in need. And I know that's hard to say where I think the um, athletic training community is very burnout. I've been very burnout. I think, but volunteering my time has been something that reignites my passion for athletic training. And when I get to work with athletes who I really think can um, change my skills and have me grow as an athletic trainer, um, it's well worth it. And it's well worth volunteering your time. And it doesn't have to be adaptive sports. It could be youth sports um, or, you know, other kind of like special Olympics, um, things like that. But I think volunteering is the most important thing. I absolutely agree with that. So, uh, JSMP is a sports safety advocacy program. What what would your message be to parents in encouraging their children to participate in sports uh, and to do so in a safe manner, uh, whether in an adaptive situation or in a in a uh, call it healthy or situation? So, whether it's adaptive sports or it's youth sports, any kind of sport, contact sports, there's always that risk there. Um, but having an athletic trainer on the sideline as your healthcare advocate is takes away a lot of that risk. And it's okay to play contact sports as long as you have that healthcare advocate there for you. Um, don't be afraid to play the sport you want to play just because um, you know you're worried about getting hurt. Because that's what athletic trainers are there for is to make it the safest environment possible. So 
that being said, if you um, are considering your child playing a sport, make sure they have an athletic trainer involved or, um, you know, qualified medical staff um, on the sideline, especially contact sports. It scares me sometimes I think about, um, you know, the peewee football games that I know they don't have anybody on the sideline. And these are little children playing a contact sport. Those are great. Yeah, it's always good to. It's always, why do you go to a pool without a lifeguard? You should never go to team sports, any kind of sports without a certified athletic trainer present as well. And I know you've got your little, uh, you've got a seven and a five-year-old uh, that uh, that are interested in rugby. Your seven-year-old is sweet as a little peanut there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but because she's in a safe environment and protected, you can help her. Do some of these adapt, go back to the adaptive uh, athlete for a minute. Do some of them in the wheelchair, maybe the ones that had, uh, a history of TBI. Did they wear a helmet at all, just in case that wheelchair gets flipped and they would hit their head? No, they don't really. In rugby, whether it's wheelchair or able body, you don't wear helmets. Um, you can wear what's called a scrum cap. Um, I didn't see any wheelchair athletes wearing it. It would be very difficult for them to hit their head unless it was slammed against the ground. It would be more whiplash type stuff, and the helmet's not going to help you with a whiplash um, brain injury, as you know. You, you, I'm not asking for a recommendation. Have you all ever practiced with the guardian cap or seen something like that involved in, in rugby? No. It's more the um, skull cap, which protects mm-hmm. the ears. And uh, mm-hmm. do you see a lot of cauliflower ears like wrestlers get? We do. Yeah. Okay. I always joke around that cauliflower ears is my favorite injury. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So tell us you've got a little story about a fellow named Mac. Tell so us. Mac is one of our wheelchair athletes. I think he lives in Charlotte. He lives up in the Carolinas somewhere. Anyway, so he um, was our athlete that scored the first try in the first 28 minutes. And there's a photo of me and I'm just like going in after that try was scored and going nuts. And why I was going nuts was because I was just up in the stands talking to his mother. Um, We were watching the game that was before our game and she had tears streaming down her face just being at um, this incredible event because that day, our very first day game we ever played against Scotland was the six year anniversary of um, his accident that put him in a wheelchair. He had, um, he was a football player um, at Woodford, Woodford college. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. He um, fell off a balcony and broke his back. Um, so then he's paralyzed um, from the waist down. So, that being the six year anniversary and he was not only scored the very first try, he scored a hat trick in the game was named man of the match for the game. So he was the MVP of the entire game. And then he was named to the top 10 players in the entire world cup for wheelchair. So talking with his mom about it, you know, of course, after he had his accident, she was, you know, what, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? He was an athlete. Um, And she told me, and, you know, we talked about how no one would ever want that to have to happen to him, but look where he is now. He never would have been at the world cup if that hadn't happened to him. So he wouldn't have been, you know, this star athlete. I mean, he was still a good athlete, but he really found his calling. So you just never know where life is going to take you. And I just think that's a great feel good story. Yeah. That's a wonderful story. I have a, friend Patrick Young, who was on the uh, UF basketball team and he's paralyzed in an accident uh, recently. 
And, you know, his attitude is just to choose joy in the situation. And it sounds like that's what Mac did too. And uh, you adapt and you are grateful for all the many great blessings in life that we are given. And uh, so these are, it's great to hear about Mac and, uh, and what you're doing, Mary, for these, these athletes is an amazing um, tribute to you and uh, the athletic training profession. And uh, thank you very much today. So thank you. We, we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Youth Sports Safety Update. JSMP is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and prevention. Make sure your school or sports team is safely prepared by having a certified athlete or licensed athletic trainer present. Please check out our website at jaxsmp.com. The Youth Sports Safety Update is produced by JSMP, and your host and producer today is Jim Mackey. Join us again soon and check out our website. Uh, we'll have some show notes, Mary's contact information, some information on wheelchair rugby there uh, for, your, uh, for your benefit. So, again, thank you very much, and join us again on the Youth Sports Safety Update.